Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rival's pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step to 53342. New York, call the 24-7 Hope Line at 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Wolf Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazzy Lambrand, back from his siesta <laughs> out in España. My man, my brother, Nando Vila, what's going on, brother? I'm doing all right, man. I'm back, back in the chair. Uh, thank you to Danny and thank you to Ben Burgess. Yes, salute, um, salute to those know, brothers. Slightly, um, slightly smarter, better looking versions of myself. Uh, absolutely the they, they held um, it down in your stead um what were you doing in spain if you don't mind sharing with, i was at the San, audience i was at the san sebastian film festival premiering oh a wow film. yeah it was fucking wow it was I pretty was, cool it's crazy um i don't know how dug into food youtube you are i'm yeah. like i am i'm i'm a sicko when it comes to food youtube but this dude mark weens who's like one of the biggest food bloggers in YouTube history. Okay. Um, he did it. He had, I recently, probably like this Saturday, like past Saturday, watched the video of him in San Sebastian. He, it's um, the best food city in the world. Yeah, dude. it's a, it was basically like, yo, this place is what in um sort of informs uh, Spain's culinary culture. Like totally, it's, it's the spot. Hundred percent. It's incredible, and the place is beautiful. It's like I recommend it to anyone if they ever want to take a vacation. San you know, Sebastian. everyone goes I'm to Italy. Everyone goes for me to, and yeah. my lady. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We don't no, gotta it's, do it's all of that. Bang for your buck, crap. The bang for your buck you get in San Sebastian is unparalleled compared to some of like you know it's so much cheaper than Paris, so much cheaper than oh, London, so much cheaper than Italy, so much cheaper than even Barcelona. Like you just, wow. you just the bang for your buck is 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 the best. So yeah, and then uh, you know it was my birthday last week, and 
you know, had uh, you're out of town, so you missed it. But uh, yes, um, Ben, Big Ben Burgess came came over, and we we had we had some good laughs. So it was all good, man. I love that, love that, love to hear that. So on today's show, we want to give you guys a couple of updates on the UAW workers and their strike um, with the big three automakers. Uh, also, we want to update you on the chaos that's happening in the House of Representatives with the GOP and their struggle to nominate, elect, <laughs> bring forth their next um, Speaker of the House. Um, but of course, you know, the, the, the stuff that's dominating the news right now, the, the conflict that's happening out in Israel and Palestine over there on the Gaza Strip, essentially right now is just, you know, just pure bombardment, just um, blitzkrieg, essentially, just bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb. Um, Joe Biden got on TV, uh, addressed the nation, said that, uh, you know, Israel was, uh, they had to defend some rocket fire out of, uh, was it Syria? I think these guys are at, yeah, um, rocket fire out of Syria. Um, but yeah, uh, you guys heard the news about their hospital getting bombed. It's, you know, this is kind of what everybody at the time of the initial attack by Hamas was worried about. It was like, this is going to be a sort of um, on a level that we haven't seen in a while of destruction over there in response from from um, Israel. And yeah, that's kind of borne itself out. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Uh, there's really nothing to say. I think how you know it's getting to be a certain point of horrificness is that mainstream news coverage, if you turn on your local ABC news or if you turn on MSNBC or CNN right now, they're to the point of the coverage of, yo, Israel has to, man, this is crazy what happened to these Israelis and it's fucked yeah. up and like, this makes us think of the Holocaust, like, you know, blah, 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 to, man, I don't know, this guy's shit yeah. looking fucked up, bro. That's yeah. the part we've gotten to in the news cycle. <laughs> you know, this happens with a lot of wars. Um Every war, I mean, every belligerent in, in any war, and this includes like Iraq and, you know, any, any war, Afghanistan, the, uh, the initial enthusiasm um, yeah. relatively quickly gives way to uneasiness. And then what happens is just outright kind of opposition to it because what becomes clear after a certain amount of time is that a military victory against a group like Hamas or Al-Qaeda... It's not possible. ...or ISIS or whatever is not really possible. Because they're um, not an army. They're not an army. They're just kind of... Yeah, they're like an irregular fighting force. This has been true throughout history. This was true of Napoleon uh, when, when he invaded Spain and they invented the term guerrilla warfare because the yeah. Spaniards essentially created a, a sort of Hamas-like... Uh, the Viet Cong, yeah, the thing. VC in, in in Vietnam, like it's impossible to defeat an enemy like that, you know, defending or fighting on their home soil, um, and so like this idea that they're going to eradicate Hamas is just it's just I think it's unrealistic, and what what's going to happen is like the war is going to drag on. There's going to be a lot of deaths, um, mostly on the Palestinian side, but there will be is there will be Israeli deaths as well. Um, and in the end, they will have achieved, they would not have achieved their military objectives. I mean, like, think about the United States and Afghanistan. We sent 
Bruh. in 2001. <laughs> that was an eye opener for me. I don't know why I was so surprised by that outcome, dude. Dude, they the Taliban controlled they just all of Afghanistan. Back in. They just walked back they in. Literally just they literally walked back in to um Afghanistan and just like nothing ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Kabul was just you know, that was like the sort of after 20 years. 20 years, it took these dudes essentially a day or two. Yeah. 20 years of that project in Afghanistan ostensibly fighting the Taliban and other, you know, yeah. um, extremists, whatever, jihadists, whatever people want to come up with for these fools. Um, 20 years of fighting these guys, building up a Afghani army and a government and yeah. building it up and doing this and all of these resources. And yeah, we're fighting the good fight and we can't, bro, we did that shit for 20 years. All yeah. the people died, all that money spent. Taliban came right back in two days. Yeah. That it's, shit is crazy. It was crazy. I mean, the same thing with the Viet, with uh, the the North North Vietnam. Um, you know, as soon as like after basically twenty years of fighting, they just walked back into Saigon. You know, the famous images of of, yeah. of the the helicopters leaving the embassy. Um, you know, the 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 with this war, um, you know, putting aside moral justifications or who's right, who's wrong, who's good, who's evil. Who you know whether whether Israel's actions are justified or not, whether Hamas's actions are justified or not. The reality is, if you strip away all of that and you look purely in terms of kind of a, a, a cold, rational, uh, realpolitik look at the situation, a military victory by by Israel is impossible. No. And. Unless they do something really drastic, like drop a nuclear bomb or something, you know. Sure, um, you can holocaust the Palestinians. But it, assuming they don't do that, and assuming they're just you know kind of doing what they're doing now, airstrikes and a, a ground invasion, which is going to happen, it's going to kill a bunch of people. Um, it's probably going to kill a, a bunch of Hamas. It's going to kill a bunch. It's going to kill way, many more civilians. A bunch of Israeli soldiers will die as well, um, and a military victory will not be achieved it just won't happen it just it just never happens and like in, especially in modern warfare where it's yeah. kind of one regular army facing off against an irregular army yep this is we we've we've known that we've, we've seen, seen this in the last movie so yeah. many freaking times exactly at this point um you know the soviets in afghanistan the exact same thing like exact same thing over the russians over. in ukraine yeah facts <laughs> you're not gonna win that war like, you're not gonna win you're yeah. not gonna win you're not just gonna take over the ukraine with your little army fighting yeah. the way that you know a conventional war is just not achievable and you know um last week biden's press secretary called people who were calling for a ceasefire and peace and, you know, st to stop the loss of life. Um, she called him repugnant, uh, Nando. Uh, but I think I would imagine that that level of rhetoric will be walked back. I think people watching the show like be like, well, what side of the divide are you on? I mean, I think it's pretty clear. We're pretty consistent here in Russia and Ukraine and with, um, you know, obviously with the Israelis and the Palestinians, we'd like to see some type of peace be achieved um you know the end of the violence let's let's stop doing that and let's try to get you know to to some level of normalcy now yeah. i think <laughs> i think it's hard to do that it's harder i think to achieve that in israel and palestine when 
sort of the entire founding principle of the state is that it's an ethno-national state, that it's a Jewish state, meaning it's majority all Jewish people, meaning it's Jewish ran. Um, and the logic behind that being like, yo, the reason we even came here in the first place is because we've been being displaced as a people for centuries and years and years and years. So therefore, we don't want to be sort of wards of some other non-Jews. We want to have our own state. Yeah, there's and a logic so to it. We, yeah, we, we need to have a Jewish state because look at what happens when we don't. We yeah. get displaced, we get holocausted, we get all of these horrible things. And so we need a state that's Jewish, which is why they originally never incorporated the indigenous people of that land in the first place. Um, the, the, like to the founders, to the Zionists who founded the state, it was like that defeats the entire purpose of this project, right? Um, you know, but a hundred years later, damn near, you know, you wonder if that logic still holds, right? Um, I wonder, you know, and, and you know, and it's it's not a one to one comparison, but you know, to to compare like Gaza and um and something in America, it'd be like if the people in the deep south of Mississippi were just like, yo, man, we can't end Jim Crow. We've had our foot on the necks of these blacks for so long; they're gonna try to kill us if if we stop doing this, you know. And meanwhile, that repression breeds a more and more fucking um animosity and you yeah. see the freaking atrocities be done by groups like Hamas it's it's kind of a self-perpetuating cycle that yeah. um is just kind of crazy man I wonder when if ever we'll ever come to an agreement on this because again like to this bears repeating like they can't achieve a military victory without essentially killing every single Palestinian in existence we're talking about 2.5 million people yeah. <laughs> like they would have to just kill them <laughs> yeah, to win this. And obviously, you know, there's stuff like nuclear weapons and all of that. Like they would have to literally resort to that, flatten them, make them extinct to do that, which, you know, uh, uh, even the most psychotic um, people who might even want to see that and like geopolitically, that would just be full. Oh yeah, you can imagine. Like, oh I, I, I can see like little John Bolton praying for a little war with Iran. You know, uh, that would be crazy. Because uh, yeah. you know, and and people got gotta understand this. It's like Israel making these quote unquote normalization pacts with places like the UAE, um, with Saudi Arabia, most infamously. Um, yes, those those regimes seem pretty steady. And they seem like they have their people under their thumb, um, pretty nicely repressed, and it's all good. Like, nothing could ever shake that. That's not true, bro. Like, if you kill 2.5 million Arabs as a Jewish state, bro, like, that is, that is a disaster, diplomatic. Like, that, like you can't even... How could a, a Muslim leader go back to their country and be like, yeah, we support what these what the Jewish state is doing to these Arabs. Like, it's it's just tough, you know? And so that's why I'm just like, man, I don't, you know, obviously for the humane reasons, this should be off the table, just like logically. Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be on the table. And so, yeah, we continue to watch that as closely as we can. Um, so no nice way to segue to the clown show in the <laughs> House of Representatives right now. 
Jim Jordan, who as GOP clowns go, he's like pretty up there. Yeah. You know, he's not like a Lauren Boebert level clown for sure. He's not Marjorie Taylor Greene. George Santos, my favorite. He's not George Santos level clown, but yo, he's like a rung or two below those people. Um, yeah. Today, we're, we're recording this on a Thursday Thursday evening. Uh, for the third time, his name was brought up <laughs> to evoke to become the next speaker of the House, Nando. <laughs> the third time he got shot down. <laughs> this is crazy. Like it, it, it's so, it's it would be funnier if it wasn't so sad though. The dis disunity, the disorganization of the GOP and the federal government just generally. Like, where do we even go from here? Yeah. The sad reality is that one of the one of the things about the American political system that the capitalist class has learned is that a non-functioning government is just totally fine for them. You know, because it's like better. these yeah, it's it's actually kind of better. I mean, that that's the real insight of Mitch McConnell, right? Like he doesn't have to like do anything. He just has to like make sure nothing happens because the status quo is so amenable to big business in their favor yeah. yeah there's no uh there's no regulations there's you know it's a low tax environment it's easy to get around whatever tax there is you know and um so so for them a congress that is completely ground to a halt is actually a pretty nice situation um which is why you're not seeing the real power brokers the people who really matter kind of sweep sweep in and just fix the situation. I mean, like, that's the kind of thing is Republicans, like if the real powers that be, and I'm talking about the real powerful people, I'm not like talking about some fucking losers in Congress. I'm talking about like really powerful people. You know who they are. <laughs> um, if they really came in and were like, guys, this is, you need to work this out. Um, they, they would work something out, but um, they, they're not that rambunctious. You know, they're just, the thing is like those real powerful people are actually kind of fine seeing this go. Um, you know, the United States political system is, I mean, there's, it's, it's like become a cliche to say it's, you know, dysfunctional and a clown show and all that stuff. But all those cliches are actually incredibly true. Um, what little, what little functioning existed um, in the era of the new deal of the post new deal, sort of the great new deal era, meaning between the 1930s and essentially the 1980s um, is dead forever, um, or at least for the foreseeable future. And all you have this kind of hollowed out state that is incapable of doing really anything um, other than sign checks to uh, Ukraine and, and, and the Israelis and whatever to send weapons all around the world. Yeah, to keep, Joe to keep Biden said he's sending for $140 billion in aid to Israel. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. 
You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not gonna find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Yeah, you know, that, that stuff is just like a flick of a pen, <laughs> yeah. you know, but anything. That is amazing. That, like, like, we don't have health care. We don't have nothing. so proudly on TV like the amount of money and the way that we're always crying broke yeah. as a government on TV, man, to say, yeah, man, we could, we could, we could just send Lockheed and Raytheon and yeah. every single weapons manufacturer alive, $140 billion. Um, it's crazy. And yeah. you know, you know, another thing that I would like people to understand about this system and capitalism and all the grandstanding you're going to see on TV. Let's just say for a second, all of these horrible things happen to our ally Israel. And, you know, we decided we got to put the Superman cape on and go save them. Let's just say those weapons were made by non-American companies, private companies, private Chinese companies, if you will. Yeah. And we, you know, it was still this altruistic, got to save our partner, blah, blah, blah. You think we would be handing Chinese businesses $140 billion, even if it was the right thing? Yeah. No, I mean, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> no. You can't do that. No. You can't, you can't hand that much government money to private entities that aren't all already the entities that are, the, you know, basically manning the puppet strings. Yeah. No, and it's it was you know it was just it's just galling to hear um, Janet Yellen, Secretary of the Treasury, say we can totally oh, afford two wars. We could totally afford two wars. And then when they asked Joe Biden about it, I think on sixty minutes, he's like, "Yeah, of course we can afford it. We're the most power. We're America, goddamn it, the most powerful country in the history of the world." It's crazy. And it's like any small help to an American citizen is inconceivable and impossible to imagine politically. And we don't have the money and we can't afford it. Um, it really is just kind of clarifying. And it, it should be like, these are the kind of moments that are extremely clarifying. Whereas people yep. are struggling, there's homeless people everywhere. Um, you know, everyone's rent is way too high. Um, the cost of living keeps going up. There is no healthcare in this country. Um, it's just, it, it's, it's a clarifying moment where like they could just, the money just flows as, as easily as, as they could flick a pen. Bro, um, $140 billion. Just like that. Could, that. Like, th that kind of money is so significant. <laughs> like the amount of good that that would do in, in some Bruh. sort of social program, um, is, is, Bruh. is hard to imagine. It's it's tough, and so yeah. Then the reason why we bring up the Republicans and the, and, the, and it's because it's just to let you know, like every the status quo is completely fine with this arrangement. Like 
It stops nothing. Um, just look at the shit they're bringing to the Supreme Court. It's like affirmative action in college. It's like, yeah, bro, they, they they're just dunking. They, they're they dunking so the basketball. They thoroughly kicked yeah. everybody's asses up there in that class. Like, they, they don't even have time. Like, there's nothing to strip us of. Yeah. We're naked already. Like, they, they shook us down for everything. Everything, bro. The shit that they bring to the courts is affirmative action in college, admissions, um, you know, abortion rights, which clearly was them overstepping because nobody wanted that shit. No. Not even Republicans wanted that shit. Yeah. It's it's getting defeated in damn so many Republican state after Republican state after Republican state. It's just crazy, man. Um, and so yeah, just just awful. And so yeah, and we can end off with the UAW and where they stand with the strike at the moment, man. So it's it, this has been, you know, again, uh, fairly uncovered in the mainstream media. I mean, it's it, it's if you look for it, it's there, but it's not it's not top of mind. And you know, it's definitely certainly covered on CNBC. Every once in a while, you see videos of Jim Cramer crying and stuff. Bro, he's uh, so mad about. He's so drugs. mad. He's so mad. He's so goddamn mad. But it is one of the more remarkable political events that I can remember in recent times. This guy, Sean Fain, the head of the U, the new head of the UAW is emerging as an incredibly inspiring and savvy leader um, in the workers' movement. I mean, there hasn't been someone this charismatic and this strategically sound and savvy in a long time. So what he's been doing is these kind of temporary stri- like he's been doing kind of like almost like guerrilla warfare instead of doing like one yeah. massive strike against all of the plants sta- they're calling it a stand-up strike <laughs> yeah like where the, the 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 company doesn't know when and where the workers are gonna get up and walk they you know they're kind of picking and choosing their plants very carefully but the victories that he's been achieving and the strike is ongoing by the way it, yes, it, it is. it's just not it's just not shutting everything down but it's 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 inflicting enough pain to make them come to the table um, and so the, the big victory that he got um, was uh, a couple weeks ago, they announced that in the GM plants, um, their new electric uh, mm-hmm. electric vehicle battery plants, which are they they did this whole thing where they created a joint venture with this, you know foreign companies in order to get around the master agreement with the union, of course. And it seemed like an impossible ask. And it is the future of automaking. Of car making. Yeah, yeah of car making. Mm-hmm. Um, they managed to include those new electric vehicle plants in the new master agreement. And so it's a huge victory. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same level as the, um, as, as the, as the sort of traditional plants. And we've always talked about this. Like one thing that the bosses do very effectively is they'll create these kind of two-tiered contracts. And what that does is it obviously pits workers against each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and creates resentment and things like that. The, so that's why it's so important to maintain as much as you can the same level of contract or the same basic agreement uh, across all classes of, of, of workers in, in the plants. Um, and so this is just a, a remarkable victory. And I, I really think like, I really encourage people to check out the coverage on Jacobin. They have like a whole yes, section on, on the UAW strike. Um, just read the articles again. You're, you're not going to see better coverage than than Jacobin's. In, and when you do media. see the coverage in the mainstream, is going to be Jim Cramer saying the shareholders aren't bad people. Yeah, yeah. this is class warfare. Why is he demonizing the shareholders? Yeah, Wait, yeah, well, never hey. do anything wrong to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> And so, and so again, yeah. it just shows what we what we say forever. You know, uh, organized labor gets the goods. 
that is the way to a progressive future. And 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 guys like Sean Fain are people that people are guys that people should pay attention to yep. as as potential leaders. You know that in 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 a society for in a society that is working towards a better future. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just I, I find it really remarkable, and again, I think it's important to cover it because outside of kind of left uh, political media, um, it's not getting that much attention. No, it's it, it's not, and and as we say all the time, like the good news is not coming from your blue and white fights on Twitter and Instagram, y'all. I promise yeah. you, them fights about Joe Biden and, and Trump and his freaking documents and blah. Like, them shits ain't doing anything for yep. anyone. Just look at it, man. And, you know, Joe Biden has gotten a decent amount done, right? Um, way better first term than Barry. <laughs> his term, his first term is better than Barry's first and second term. Way better president than him, which just saying a lot about yeah. the crummy job that that dude did. Um, yeah. But still, just look at the dysfunction, just the idea. And that's... And that's what I think drives a lot of the crazy shit that we see on social. And our guy Danny talks about it all the time. Um, people do feel powerless. And we it's a post-political moment. Like, yeah. what indication do you have that your vote, whether it be Republican or Democrat, is going to have a meaningful material change to your, bring a meaningful or material change to your life? Yeah. Like, what's the proof of that? President after president, who who's running the Senate, who's running the House, who's doing this, who's doing that. There's stuff on the margins for sure. Like, you know, the people that Biden has put in his NLRB have been very helpful yeah. to, to work. It's certainly way more helpful than um, Trump's, Trump's NLRB. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, of course, you know, even stuff like the CFPB where Trump, you know, my buddy was working over there at the time. Trump's guy came in and basically told everybody at the Consumer um, Financial Protection Bureau, he told all of them to put their pens and papers down. Like, all the stuff that y'all was doing, yeah, we don't need to do anything. We don't need to work here. The point of this entire operation, which is to, you know, claw back stuff for regular, everyday people, um from the injustices that banks perpetrate on them all the time, claw that stuff back. Literally all it does is good stuff for working. Like th that's all this thing does. Yeah. It's not, it's not partisan. It's like everybody has a bank account. Everybody has to bank in America. Yeah. And a lot of times these institutions screw us over all of us, red, blue, purple, whatever. Um, that's all this institution does. Trump's people got in there. It was like, yeah, fuck it. Don't, <laughs> don't work right now. You know what I mean? And so on the margins, as far as like some of these federal institutions that get staffed by people who will actually work, you know, under Joe Biden. Sure, I'll give them that. Um, but other than that, bro, I mean, yeah, this is a joke. Yeah, this is a complete another joke. And so, yeah, man, we notice all the good, all the good news. All, the only things that feel hopeful. Um, in America is, you know, this this newfound labor militancy of the past three years, man. Yeah. Um, that, Especially from the about. old crusty unions, the Teamsters, yep. the UAW, yep. you know, like renewed life into those large storied institutions, you know, with incredible history um, is 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 important and is is, is inspiring. Frankly, I mean, it's like and, they both happen kind of at the same time. Amazon fought a tooth and nail, guys. Amazon yeah. fought a tooth and nail, but that fight's not over. 
Yeah. You feel me? Like that fight's not over. And yeah. what I would tell everybody why this matters, even if you have a nice white collar job like me and Nando do, like, believe me, your bosses would be way nicer to you if they thought that you might quit for a regular ass job because yeah. the pay was good. You know what I mean? You got paid time off. You had good bennies. It was competitive. The more competitive jobs there are, the better for all of us. <laughs> that's yeah. why you shouldn't. That's why you shouldn't feel jealousy towards a UAW worker. Yeah. Like the more competitive jobs that there are, the better we all are. Yeah. Like they bank on us being desperate for these jobs. Yeah. To make us think we're lucky to be to have the right to generate wealth for them. Yeah. We're the fortunate ones. That's the trick that they play on us. And so that's why when I see shit like UAW, UPS, I'm like, good for them, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? It'd be nice if all of our bosses thought we could go out and make $50 an hour tomorrow if we, if we told them, fuck, fuck them. Kiss yeah. our asses. They'd be treating us a lot differently. I'm telling you. They would. They <laughs> I'm would. I'm telling you, bro. Um. Anyway, man, that's our show for today. Uh, make sure you guys become a Patreon at Patreon backslash Count the Dings. It helps us bring you all this incredible content. Um, shout out to my man, John Gervais. I hope his Phillies take that fat L. I do not want to see them advance in the playoffs. Why? The Mets. Because I'm a Mets fan. Uh, That's it. I just hate them just de facto. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but other than that, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.